Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are in Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be talking about the comparison between the imperfections of the Old Testament sacrifices and compare them to the perfection of Christ's sacrifice. But before we begin, we want to hear from the psalmist. Notice what he says. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who rejoice seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face forevermore. Remember his marvelous works, which he has done, and his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Amen. Also in Psalm 21, be exalted, O Lord, in your own strength, and we will sing and praise your power. Amen. Well, we're going to be talking about the sacrifice of Christ today. So let's go ahead and read Isaiah chapter 53, verses 5 and 6. Notice Isaiah writes, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your unspeakable gift. Amen. Well, Heavenly Father, we approach your word with awe and reverence today. Speak through our lips. Speak, Father God, in the name of Jesus, through your word and through the power of it, that we may glorify you, King, forever and ever our King forever and ever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, praise God. We're in Hebrews chapter 10, and Paul is continuing in this chapter to describe the inability of the sacrifices of the Old Testament to permanently deal with and forever remove from us the nature of sin. And he is comparing this Old Testament uh, sacrificial system to the perfection of the sacrifice of Christ. Now, we're going to be using, and we have been, and I guess we'll continue to use the word perfect or perfection because this is exactly what the sacrifice of Christ is. It is a perfect sacrifice that enables us to do just exactly what uh, the Lord Jesus, in beginning of his ministry, uh, on earth 2,000 years ago said, and of course we'll be re referring to this verse of Scripture as we go along, be you therefore perfect even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Well, uh, the Old Testament sacrificial system could not do that. The reason being is the blood of bulls and goats couldn't take away from us the nature of sin, could not abolish it, could not destroy uh, the work of the devil. But the blood of Jesus did. Amen. This is why uh, the entire book of Hebrews talks about the excellency of Jesus, his superiority over uh, what we have come to know in the Old Testament, the sacrificial system and the Old Testament uh, type of worship. Amen. Praise God. But I want you to notice that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, Paul wrote this. He says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The, the lust of the flesh, rather. 
Uh, the Old Testament saints had no power to do this. However, through Christ, we now have the power to live a godly life. Amen. And so we're going to see here in Hebrews chapter 10 that the, the whole subject matter of this chapter has to, has to, uh, has to, uh, to deal with uh, the sacrifice which Christ has made for sin and the consequences which flow from the fact that he has made a sufficient atonement. You and I are receiving the benefits of his sufficient atonement, which he uh, did on the cross when he offered himself without spot to God. Amen. Praise God. All right. Now, verse one, Hebrews chapter 10. This is the imperfection of the old covenant system of sacrifice. Notice Paul writes and he says this for the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For them would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sin. So what we see here is that the old covenant system of sacrifice was a shadow or a type of the coming sacrifice of Christ, which was perfect. The old covenant system of sacrifices being imperfect because it could not deliver uh, men permanently from the nature of sin. However, the sacrifice of Christ did exactly that. So the old covenant uh, system of sacrifice uh, had to be continually offered. And because it was continually offered, it could never bring uh, the penitent into a perfect relationship uh, with God. Amen. And I think that's so very, very true and so pertinent for us to understand and see that. Uh, now, let's look at the sacrifice of Christ in verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou would not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Notice that. Thou hast had no pleasure. Why is that? Well, as we stated earlier, the old system of sacrifice wasn't perfect. God couldn't be pleased with that. Remember, going back to what Jesus said, be ye perfect, even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Coming into perfection is the thing that pleases God concerning his children. Amen. Concerning his re redemptive plan. So, you know, and the Old Testament sacrifices were, were meant to cover sin. They were not meant to permanently remove it. And so verse seven says, then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not. Neither had pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. Notice that. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. So God removed and abolished the old system of sacrifice 
and replaced it with a permanent, the we'll not say a permanent, but the permanent and the perfect sacrifice of Christ. And so verse 10 says, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus. Notice this, once for all, the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. We're going to see this and I'm going to remark about this once for all. So the, the sacrifice of Christ once for all was sufficient for everyone to be made free from the nature of sin. Now, that's not automatic. We have to accept the sacrifice of Christ. We have to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. And we have to confess him as Savior and Lord before we can ever be saved. And before that sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross is effectual in our hearts and in our lives. Amen. All right. Verse 11. For every priest, notice this, standing daily, ministering and offering sometimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Let's think about this. What if you were told in your denomination that you must be, every Sunday you must be in church. You cannot be a part of, of that denomination if you miss church on Sunday, for whatever, it doesn't make any difference. You come. But now when you come, you're going to listen to the same sermon over and over and over and over and over again. Every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, you're told this is your sacrifice. You come to church on Sunday and, and when you do this, you're going to be acceptable of God. So you come Sunday and you listen to the same sermon over and over and over and over and over again. And after a while, you come to the point to where, well, you know, my pastor and my denomination teaches me that when I do this, that I'm, I'm going to be released. I'm going to have a greater experience with God, but I just get to this point and I can't get past it. It becomes a hopeless situation. Well, that's exactly what these sacrifices did. They covered men's sins, but it didn't remove the nature of sin from them. So they had to continually be offered. Amen. And what Paul says here, going back to verse 11, and every priest standing daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. There was never that that perfection that we experience in the perfect sacrifice of Christ. There was never that breaking through that barrier where we come into fullness of peace. It's like what Paul said, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There was always that absence of peace. There was the, the calling out for it, the crying out for it, the desiring of it, the desire to look into these things, but never, ever the accomplishment of it. Amen. So they were never the, the Old Testament penitents were never fully satisfied, even though there is uh, pictures of that. Uh, there's uh, in the Psalms, especially in the Psalms of David. But yet in the heart of the individual, uh, there was never that that sonship that uh, that was uh, desirable, that that uh, that ability to join the penitent uh, with the one that is the forgiver of sins, that that relationship and that fellowship was absent. Amen. So 
it became just something that people did. You know, Jews, they say over and over again, you, you don't need to understand why we do it. You just do it. And it's just become a ritual, just a system. But God doesn't want us just to have a, ri- a ritual or a system. He wants us to have a relationship with him. Amen. But notice it says, but this man, speaking of Christ, the infinite God man, the one who conquered death, hell and the grave and gave us, amen, the victory through him. Amen. How did he do it? One sacrifice forever. Christ yielded up a perfect sacrifice and God accepted it as perfect. Amen. And so therefore, when we are found in him, he looks at us in Christ's perfection. Praise God. Amen. And how do we know this? Well, because after his sacrifice, notice he sat down on the right hand of God. Amen. He was raised from the dead and he was set at the father's right hand. And through faith in him, you and I are raised up and we're made to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're talking about a perfect uh, redemption. Praise God. Amen. And then Paul writes this. He says, from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Well, what enemies is Paul talking about? Well, he's talking about the devil for one. He's talking also about the wicked of the earth, those that refuse to bow their knee to the Lord Jesus. They will be made to. But he's talking about another enemy, talking about that which causes death, talking about the evil passions of the heart, that which drives men to do the evil things that they do. God is removing that from your heart, brother and sister. I know you still have the passions to deal with because you still have a physical body that you're living in. But you're being redeemed. Amen. Praise God. We're coming to that place where we will be perfect. Amen. Hallelujah. Our bodies, our, these corruptible bodies will put off and, be, and put on incorruption. Praise God. Amen. Notice what Paul in writing concerning the resurrection of Christ. Notice what he says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Then comes the end when he delivers up the kingdom to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and all power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. Amen. Praise God. All right. Verse 14. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Notice perfected forever them that are sanctified. Are you born again? Amen. You've been separated then. You've been sanctified. Hallelujah. And, and you've experienced that because of a perfect sacrifice. You've been made perfected through that perfect sacrifice of Christ. Verse 15, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Amen. Notice remission where the remission of these is. There is the removal of the nature of sin and that which causes that which causes us to sin. Sin and sins. 
You and I will daily, daily, notice what Paul said in Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service or which is your spiritual worship. We do that every day. Paul described it as dying daily to ourselves. Amen. To the passions of the flesh. Praise God. We can dominate the flesh. Don't go around saying, well, the devil made me do it. No, you just yielded to evil. You and I just yielded to evil. Amen. Praise God. No, that all that is imperfect. However, we serve a perfect Savior and his sacrifice was perfect. And it's through that sacrifice, that perfect sacrifice that we are being perfected. Notice going back to verse 14, for by one offering hath he perfected forever them that are sanctified. Amen. Praise God. Now, we're not talking about you being perfect or me being perfect in ourselves. That's not true. Amen. You know, and the engine in your car that you crank up every day and go to work in itself. Now, when you look at it as a whole, it's not perfect in the sense that there's not any type of imperfection in it whatsoever. But the fact that when you get in your car and you put your key into the ignition or you press the button and and your engine cranks, that means it's perfect. It's, it does exactly what it was set out to do. The sacrifice of Christ did exactly what it set out to do. It made forever perfected them which are sanctified. Jesus abolished death and the nature of sin through his sacrifice. Amen. Praise God. He didn't cover the sins of men who come to him. He remitted them. He removed them. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Now let's look at the new and living way through the sacrifice of Christ. Verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holy, holiest by the blood of Jesus. Notice that boldness to enter into the holiness. You and I now have boldness to enter through the sacrifice because of the sacrifice of Christ. You and I, you and I now have boldness to enter into the holiest, talking about the holy of holies, talking about that inner sanctum where the presence of God is. You and I have boldness to enter through that. We're not going to be slain. Amen. Why? Because we're perfect in Christ's perfection. Praise God. We're not approaching God based upon ourselves. There's only one name that's going to be recognized in heaven, and that's the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. And we're found in him. Being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but having the righteousness, which is of God by faith. Praise God. We have access into heaven. Why? Because we have faith in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and we're trusting in him. Notice what Paul wrote back in the third chapter of Hebrews. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence or the boldness and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. See, we have boldness to enter into the holiest of all. And then once again in Hebrews 4:16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
Amen. We can come boldly into the face of our Heavenly Father because we know that we have been accepted. We have been adopted. We have access, praise God. So we can come in not just once a year. We can come in anytime we desire to. Anytime we need to, we can come into the presence of God. We have the boldness to do that. Why? By the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. Praise God. Amen. Verse 20, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. Notice, by a new and living way. What's he talking? What's Paul talking about? The new birth. For he hath consecrated for us. Talking about that once for all sacrifice of the Lord Jesus through the veil. Speaking of his flesh. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. The veil of Christ's body. Isn't that an allusion to the tabernacle? I mean, the temple where after the cross uh, and Jesus died the, and, and resurrection, the, the temple, the, the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. Amen. That wasn't to let the presence of God out. That, that was to allow us to go into the presence of God. We're welcome. We're welcome. Praise God. Notice what Paul said. Uh, rather, Paul wrote in Romans chapter five, verse two, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Amen. Verse 21, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Notice he's talking about the new birth. He's talking about us now being set apart for God's use, being sanctified. Let us draw near. Anytime we desire, we can. We can draw near to God through the full assurance of faith. Amen. We have faith now in Christ and our bodies washed. Talking about our sanctifying power that's found in the Lord Jesus. Verse 20, 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. It's not time for us to fall back. It's time for us to go forward. In other words, amen. Praise God. All right, now, Paul does give a warning now concerning apostasy in verses 26 through 31. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace? For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongs to me, I will recompense, says the Lord. And, and again, the Lord shall judge his people. So it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. And so basically what Paul is saying here is that there's no other offering for sin. The perfect has come. Amen. And it's not going to be made more perfect. It's perfect. The sacrifice of Christ was a perfect sacrifice. 
and we've entered into that perfection through him, through his precious blood. So it's only Christ, and he's the initiator of the new covenant. He's the one that brings saints to perfection, and it's found in him, praise God. So, And there's no other offering to be made. Notice what Paul said, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Amen. You and I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ through faith in him. Praise God. Amen. And that's so much, that's so uh, powerful uh, uh, a word for us to know. There's so many of us that are so weak and, 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 and lack so confidence to go into Christ's presence because uh, we look at ourselves instead of looking to Christ. The Bible doesn't tell us to look unto ourselves. The Bible tells us to take heed unto ourselves. But the Bible tells us to look unto Jesus. So let's just keep our eyes upon him. Notice, remember what, uh, what uh, Jehoshaphat said when he was facing a situation that was impossible for him to overcome by himself. He said, Lord, our eyes are upon you. And you may be facing a circumstance or a situation today. Let me remind you, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep looking unto him, not to yourself. You may be facing a situation you know in yourself there's no way that you're going to be able to get through this. There's no way that you're going to be able to overcome. And God has allowed you to be in that situation for one purpose, to, to look to him. He's the one that's going to get you through. Not yourself, not your own ability, not your own strength. Amen. Not your own, you know, mind or knowledge. Trust in him. He'll get you through it. Just cast your care upon him, for he cares for you. Praise God. The name of Jesus, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. They that are righteous run into it, and they are safe. Praise God. Amen. All right, verse 32. Now, this is the final exhortation in this chapter to remain faithful. Notice what Paul writes. He says this. He says, but remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. Isn't that so true that when we get into a situation and a circumstance, we feel like everybody's looking at us? And it makes us feel very, 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 very small. Listen, those times of weakness is really when we are the strongest because our strength is found in Christ and not in ourselves. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one, notice this, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Speaking of the fact, the righteous going back unto perdition, going back to the old way. We can't go back. We've been made perfect in Christ Jesus. So how can we go back unto imperfection? We can't. We must go forward. 
Notice verse 39, and closing out this chapter, but we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. Now, isn't that interesting how verse 39 will introduce us to chapter 11, which we call the chapter of the heroes of faith. This is what God has done for us. So even though many Jewish believers that Paul was writing to were suffering for their faith, I mean, dire circumstances, they were losing everything. Paul encouraged them, don't you dare go back. You keep pressing forward. And that's a great message for us today. You may be suffering today. There may be a lot of things going on that are adverse, that are trying to rob your joy, that are stealing your peace, trying to steal your peace. Just remember, we have an abiding Christ who's at the right hand. He ever lives to intercede for us. And he is the one that says that I will supply all of your need according to my riches and glory. And it comes through me. Praise God. So keep trusting. Keep praying. Keep standing in faith. Continue to to, uh, claim and proclaim the promises of God. God will see you through. Amen. Praise God. Heavenly Father, thank you for this great word of encouragement today. Lord, we just look forward to that day when we look to you face to face and we can give you all of the praise and honor and glory that you deserve. Father, we're so thankful today that we have a risen Savior, Christ, who ever lives to intercede for us. And we give you thanks and praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.